Good afternoon and welcome. It's midday. I'm Tom Hall. Thanks for being with us. The murder of Tyree Nichols at the hands of five Memphis policemen is yet another example of violence against black citizens that can traumatize entire black communities throughout the country. We begin today with Dr. Donnell Barnett, the president of the Association of Black Psychologists. He is the deputy director for mental health clinical operations at the Illinois Department of Human Services. And Dr. Barnett joins us on Zoom from Chicago. Doctor, thank you for your time. Thank you so much for having me. So one of your areas of expertise is trauma. Uh, when events like this happen, and they happen with just stunning frequency and, and depressing frequency, um, what is the, the effect in your uh, estimation on the community as a whole, the black community as a whole, when they see these kinds of incidents continuing to occur? It is uh, it's painful. It's painful, uh, and you feel that pain um, mentally. You feel it in your heart. Um, we grieve for the family, with and for the family, um, because too many times we've seen this story. Uh, oftentimes, we know people, we personally know people that have had some version of this to happen in their lives. And so seeing it again and experiencing it and hearing about it, uh, triggers all of those emotions and response and responses that just it feels oftentimes that it, that it never ends. So you never have a way to you never really have a moment to really just allow yourself to let the grieving process take its place and to subside. It leads to anger. It can lead to some anxiety, obviously symptoms of the depression, and those things show up in a variety of ways as well. The Memphis Police Department uh, uh, announced this morning that uh, a sixth officer has been placed on administrative leave in connection with the death of Tyree Nichols. Um, there are going to be investigations, or at least their investigations have been called for, to look into uh, other interactions with the public by this special unit called the Scorpion Unit, uh, of which these five officers were members. So this, this story isn't going away. Uh, there'll be, there'll be uh, you know, increments of the story uh, coming out over the next weeks and months. Um, I would imagine that that's, uh, each one of those stories has the potential to be yet another trigger uh, for people who are already feeling uh, overwhelmed. Uh, it, how, how would how do you advise uh, your clients, uh, your clinical clients, and and people in general uh, to to cope with that? Yes, um, it uh, because it it keeps um, it keeps at the forefront of folk, of people's memory, of their minds, of their reality. Um, and folks are trying to go to work today, right, and and make it through the day and not pay attention to what's happening on TV or social media so that they can continue to function. And that's a part of the, the, the trap here is that while these things are going on, we still have to function for our families, for whatever it is that we do for a living. And so you find ways to compartmentalize as best you can because it, it is overwhelming. And to add 
the layers on top of existing layers that haven't had an opportunity to really heal. It's important to recognize that these these aren't recent events. There are, you know, these are generational stories that have traveled through our community for a very, very long time. And just and the awareness that we see about it today is superimposed on that generational trauma that's that's reflected. So what a lot of folks, I was uh, in uh, church yesterday and the pastor was trying to offer some consolation from the pulpit as a way of recognizing his responsibility of addressing the community's needs. I would imagine other houses of worship or other gatherings, similar gatherings, were doing something of the same. Today, teachers and coaches and um, other community members are doing the same thing of trying to bring the community together so that we have a collective healing process, a collective forum to think through and process so that there is some modicum of healing, of holding the community together as we uh, process and go through and even with the reminders that we know are coming. Dr. Danelle Barnett is the president of the Association of Black Psychologists. I'm Tom Hall. It's midday. Our number is 410-662-8780. Our email is midday at wipr.org, and you can tweet us at midday wipr. So, Dr. Barnett, where does that healing conversation begin? I noticed that uh, last night your organization, the Association of Black Psychologists, had an online healing circle uh, where people could tune in. Um, what, where, where does that conversation about how to uh, be consoled, how to cope with uh, this, this, uh, you know, these kinds of traumas that, I, as I, we've said before, you know, just keep happening with such regularity? Where do you start? We, we start with community. Um, that is, you know, one of the things that we emphasize that we go through things as a community. We talk through things. We process things in community as a community oriented people. It's creating those spaces where people have the outlet, having those spaces to be safe spaces where you don't need to monitor your thoughts. You don't need to mo self monitor your words. You can be who you are and say the things that you need to say to process them and do it in an environment that is affirming. It is also having, um, uh, you know, more venues, because again, as I mentioned earlier, we, we, we have to continue to function for our families and our jobs. And those spaces don't allow you the opportunity to be your authentic self. You have to put on the mask uh, oftentimes. And so, what we try to do with this at the Association of Black Psychologists through our Sawabona uh, Healing Circle program is to make those outlets available for folks to come into a safe space where they will be affirmed, where they can have the conversations, where they can grieve and laugh and be reminded of the strength, the resilience and the need to take self-care and to take a break uh, when they need need when they need it. And so that's a part of what this process looks like. Um, and communities have done some version of this for a very, very long time. Let's go to the phones. Uh, speaking of taking a break, we have a caller who I believe uh, has a question in that regard. Jackie's on the line in Columbia. Welcome to Midday with Dr. Danelle Barnett. Hi, Dr. Barnett. And um, 
Thank you so much for, uh, and Tom, you do a great job every day. I love your show. The issue that I have is the constant reviewing, you know, on the media of these horrific events. So I remember with George Floyd, they just kept showing his face and the knee on the neck. Those things are re-traumatizing every day, everywhere you look, everywhere you listen. If your person wants to be informed, you're constantly being bombarded by the images. It's one thing to talk about it as you and Tom are doing it today, but it's another thing to report on it and you just see it over and over and over again. And children are being exposed to it and so are the adults who have to live it. And it makes a person not feel safe you, you, you know, fortunately in Howard County, I can say we have excellent police protection. They've done a great job, and they, they're doing much better. But that's not nationwide. And so the question is, how do we protect our minds from feeling unsafe when there's this constant drumming of this these horrific events? That's an excellent question, Jackie. Thank you for your, your kind words and for your call. Dr. Barnett, what do you think? There is this deluge of, you know, if you've got the the television tuned to CNN or other places, um, you know, you, you've got a challenge. No, you're, you're absolutely right. And I thank the caller for raising that. That is a really, really important part of this. Uh, one thing that I noticed over the last few days, a very active campaign from a variety of organizations and influential individuals to give the community, to give the black community the warning, do not look at the video. Um, Take, you know, really protect your mind, protect your peace, protect your space. And, you know, we've, I've heard that before. I've seen that before, but I think uh, with this most recent event, um, such a, a widespread message around just don't look at the video. There's probably not a whole lot to learn more uh, by watching it anyway. The we we know the pain. We 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 know the experience. We've we've heard the story. We've seen it. Uh, and so that you know what you would glean from that is probably very minimal. And so I thank the caller for raising that. But that is a part of where it starts. It is also recognizing that these cues come not just from the video, but it is in walking around your community. It is driving. It is one being on in a state of vigilance. Uh, you know, where, you know, will I be next? Will it happen? And so taking the opportunity to counteract those messages, to be in spaces where you feel safe, to process those messages so that you have a sense of, of, of reality and taking active steps to bring some measure of joy in your life, whether it's a movie or a comedy or being in family or houses of worship or, you know, whatever it is that allows you to recenter and recheck so that those messages, when they come up and they will come, um, you, you're, you're buffering yourself in a way that you're able to continue to grow and move. And Dr. Barnett, what about the perpetrators of this murder? What what is the explanation, the 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 reason, the the understanding of what could lead a person to be as violent as these five people were? Um, it's the whole other issue of uh, other people who were witness or or you know came onto the scene soon thereafter and did nothing for 
a number of minutes. But what? How, how do you understand the psychology of a person uh, who would participate in a group uh, in this this assault on this young man? They they ripped him out of the car and they just uh, assaulted him relentlessly. Why why would someone do that? I I don't know that there will ever be, ever be a way to fully explain such inhumane and horrific behavior. We do know that when you are given some level of authority, it has a way of messing with, uh, it has a way of altering people's uh, perception of reality. That sense of power uh, can be very, very tempting to people. And we've seen this in some psychological studies where ordinary individuals placed in an environment where they're given a sense of authority it has a, it, it can carry them to places that not even them would think so you have uh, you have not even they would think so you have that on one side on the other side you have a very uh, a, a constant diet of messages of images that devalues black life that whether it is it through media, whether it is through books or the education system or things that happen in our environment, you see uh, just a constant, our country is fed a constant diet of messages that uh, um, that devalues black life, that is is almost humane. And so when you put those two two things together, it it creates such a toxic combination. Um, where we sort of see these things. And so it, it is a byproduct of white racist ideology that we f have not fully dealt with uh, and that we are trying to, uh, and that we see happen, that see we see it play out in, in videos and cell phone recordings and so forth. Um, I want to play a clip of the police commissioner here in Baltimore. Uh, who made a statement following uh, the release of the video uh, of the murder of uh, Mr. Nichols Friday night. Uh, and I can imagine that uh, other police chiefs in other metropolitan areas did the same thing. Here's what Michael Harrison had to say. The actions of officers who behave like this place a direct blemish on the profession of policing and cannot become the norm. Here at the BPD, we will always fight for justice for all. We will continue to safeguard those who peacefully participate in and exercise their First Amendment rights. We will continue to focus on departmental reform and community policing practices to ensure incidents like this are not permitted to continue. He was, of course, uh, uh, concerned about uh, protests getting out of hand and those protests turning violent. That did not happen here in Baltimore. It didn't happen uh, really anywhere in the country. In terms of, I know I know, I need to let you go, Dr. Barnett, but in terms of um, building trust within the African-American community for law enforcement, given this long history, this long legacy, um, what do you think the keys are in that regard? Do you think a trust can ever be established? It's it, it will be pretty difficult, but it, it, it does start with a, a bit of it starts with a lot of truth and it starts with reconciliation. Um, you cannot you cannot expect people to say, let's build bridges 
when uh, the response itself is a militarized police response, right? I mean, just so, just think about the irony of the situation where you have an instance of police brutality. Pe- people rightfully are angered and want to uh, protest. And the response that you get is another militarized police response. That in and of itself suggests that the system isn't really serious about dealing with the issue and that kind of gaslighting, um, that kind of um, uh, approach uh, causes people to not have a lot of hope and a lot of trust in how these things will ultimately get resolved. So to answer your question, it yeah, uh, there, there is. We we want to always be hopeful, and always want to move towards solution, but it it starts with truth. It starts with reconciliation. It starts with us addressing the repairs and the harms that have been done, and a very critical engagement, engaging conversation about reforms that the community thinks need is what's needed, not what. Um, uh, repackaged or, you know, re, you know not, not repackaged responses from, from the past. Dr. Danelle Barnett is the president of the Association of Black Psychologists. Dr. Barnett, thank you so much for your, your, your wisdom and your time today. I'm grateful. Thank, thank you so much. Coming up, we will turn our focus to the environment. We'll talk about the problem with plastics on the other side of a quick break. But before we go to that break, each week here on Midday, it's our practice to read the names of people who've lost their lives to violence in Baltimore City and to list their names on the Midday webpage. We do so to stand in witness to their untimely deaths and to remember their families and friends in their hour of grief. So far in this first month of the year, 25 people have lost their lives to violence in Baltimore. Police have released the names of two homicide victims whose deaths were first reported the week before last. They are Carl Gilmore, age 37, and Dion Brandon. He was 19 years old. And we have the identities of four of the six people who fell victim to homicide in our city just last week. They are Marquise Stuckey, age 18, Dante Stansbury, age 28, Evian Earl Williams, Jr., age 26, and Laron Henderson. He was 15 years old. It's midday. I'm Tom Hall. Stay with us. You're listening to Your Public Radio, 88.1 WYPR.